if you do need a Bible, uh, why don't you just slip up your hand. We'd love for you to get a copy. And we have them, we, uh, the print version. Lift up your hand, we'll get that to you. If not, you can open your Bible uh, to Matthew 9. And we're beginning a new series. If you got a Bible and want to keep it because you don't own it or just like this one, fantastic. If not, just leave it on the seat at the end and we'll be uh, sure to pick it up. Matthew 9 is where we're going to be in just a moment. But let's just uh, pause and pray and give thanks to God that he's given us truth about himself. Lord, thank you. Thank you for another day. Thank you for the privilege to serve our community through Good News Today last weekend. Thank you for new life, for young babies, and for also those who are older in physical years but are just being turned on to life in you and living in your new way. We pray for all of those who responded in some way to follow you last week. We pray seven days in, God, that you'll grow them and shape them into the people that you destined them to be even before they were in their mother's womb. And for us here, God, we are, we are eager to learn more about you. We want to know your ways. We want to hear your voice. We want to have your direction so that we can live in ways that please you. We know that that's the best way to live. But we submit ourselves to you, Jesus, and we ask and invite you to guide us as we look at the scriptures and think about how they fit in the real world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, if, you're, if you're new, uh, I want to say thank you. If you were at the Good News Today event, I'm just curious, how many of you came last weekend to that? I think a good, good part of you. So many of you helped and served. You, you were set up. You were tear down. Uh, you were involved in the process. I want to say thank you because our name wasn't on it at all, but our, our face was through you. And so thank you. We had a crew that was even there Saturday, uh, Sunday night after the event. They were there until Monday, 4.30 in the morning, tearing down. And a couple of them had to go to work, like, oh, yeah, we'll go home and sleep for an hour, jump in the shower, and, and do a full shift at work. And you're that kind of people. And so I want to say, especially on behalf of those who don't have a chance to say it, thank you. Thank you for doing it. And uh, I, we videotaped the whole thing. And because we have contracts with artists, we can't post it. But I was watching it actually yesterday. And it's funny, events have changed. They've totally changed. When I was growing up, you went to a concert, you looked at the stage, um, and you looked at the band, right? Novel idea. But today, even as I was talking at Hillsborough Stadium, I could notice there were people standing right in front of me looking at me on the screen. They're like, I'm, hello, I'm here. I'm right here. But it, we're just, we're programmed. And what really came out on the video as I was watching it is so many, and, and you were included, so don't feel bad, so many were watching the event through their phone. So, so what your people are doing is the band's over there and... and you know, everyone, everyone was watching it through their phone. And social media has just changed. It's changed everything, and it's even changed events. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if you have the right picture or video or profile, you could be insta-famous. I mean, ordinary people can be super famous now. A couple in our, our church, Aaron and Kelsey, they moved away, but um, they have a dog, a rescue dog named Rusty, Rusty. Rodis. And, and Rusty has 102,000 Instagram followers. I'm one of them. <laughs> Cute dog. Dog does all sorts of things. And, and their dog has like 100,000 more followers than they do. Like Insta famous. And so we have words that didn't really exist. Uh, selfie. It didn't, the word wasn't a word. 
And now it's, you know, everything about not the experience, but you in the experience. And people had followers back in the day that actually knew them and listened to them. And now all sorts of strangers are now, I bet you have tons of people on your feed that you actually don't know. But they're your followers. Now in the middle of our selfie world, we're trying to discover what it means to follow the way of Jesus. How does his ancient teaching fit with our like modern sensitivities? And so we're starting a new series called Follow Me. And that is a statement from Jesus all throughout the biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You see Jesus calling people, follow me. Well, you may know what that means, but I think there are dimensions, especially in our crazy world, where we have to take Jesus' statement, follow me, and make sense. How do I actually live that out in 2018? So we're taking seven weeks, this is week one, to walk through some of the basics. For some of you, this is going to be new information. You didn't grow up and no one really talked about the Bible or you didn't go to church or think about Jesus seriously. And so this will be new information for you and I hope that it's helpful. I think for many of us though, it's going to be things that we heard years ago, but as you hear them again, you may find out, well, you know what? I kind of forgot that. Or I'm actually not living that out. So it's going to be challenging whether you're new to following Jesus or you're a veteran in following Jesus. There's something for everyone here. Today I just want to do a setup for where we're going. Seven weeks, follow me. And it's going to be followed by, uh, after that, to Christmas on looking at the letter uh, of Paul to a young leader in the church, 1 Timothy, because we want to grow and learn what it means to follow Jesus you're a follower, I'm a follower, and then how to become a leader. You're a leader. You're an influencer. You have not only impact in your world, this impact through your life all over the place. In light of following Jesus, how do I grow as a leader? That's kind of where we're headed. And what we're going to do is all seven weeks, if some of you were our prayer team and you hand these out, we gave out a book I just wrote called Good News Today and Tomorrow, and it's not for sale on purpose. It's something that we, we wrote to give to people who are thinking about following Jesus. And so we decided in light of this series, there are seven chapters in this book, and we're going to go over the content. No, I'm not going to say what I wrote. All right, calm down. Like, cool, I could skip for six weeks and, you know, party for a bit and I'll join you. No, we're going to use the short chapters, seven short chapters. This is going to be like part one, and the teaching on Sunday will be part two of it. So some of you are like, well, I don't have it. I want to give you a copy. I'm asking one thing. You just actually read it. Read the chapter before you get here. So you'll kind of have an idea, and then we'll build on it. So where do I get it? Right on the welcome table as you go out. You can get a copy. And if you're watching by video, if you just email us, hello at 26westchurch.org, we will send you a, a copy for free. Make sense? Just read one Chapter. Well, we're going to look at chapter one in the book, which is Jesus making a statement, follow me, he invited followers. Look at Matthew 9, Matthew 9, verse 9. And I'm going to look at two, two times that Jesus said it, of the many times, but we'll just look at two and tease out what that means. As Jesus went on from there, Matthew 9, 9, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. So Jesus 
calls him by name, one-on-one. It's an invitation. And in a very real sense, everyone in the Bible, sometime in their life, heard something similar to this. Someone let them know that you can actually know and follow Jesus. So a personal invitation. And then if you have your Bible, just go a little, a few chapters over. Matthew 16, verse 24. Again, I'm only reading two of dozens. Dozens of times this comes up. Jesus said to his disciples, think about that. So Matthew's one, but he's not the only one. So Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is interesting. Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone actually wants to be one. That's kind of weird. It's like, hey, you're my friends. To my friends, I say, friend, if you want to be my friend, this is what that looks like. Which leads me to believe that even though people were following him, they didn't fully get it. But that's okay. So you may be following Jesus now and not fully understand what that means in every day and in all of your life. That's why we need series like this to ground us. So disciples. So Jesus had Matthew and then Jesus had the 12 that were Peter, James, and John, and Matthew, and a few others. And they became apostles, uh, leaders. Apostles just means messengers. Like if I own a, uh, a business and pre-technology, I want to meet a guy in another town, I can send an apostle, a messenger, who's got my message. So 12 led And then on another occasion, he had 70 that he sent out. And then when Jesus goes to the cross, rises again, goes to be with the Father, and says, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, there's 120. So it's not just one, it's not just 70, it's not just 120. It means a lot of things. And we want to look today, base level, super simple. What is a disciple? Okay, what what does that mean? It needs to be explained because in our language, it may not have the same nuance. The, the, the word disciple that Jesus uses is the word mathetes, which means a student or a pupil or a learner. And I think the best English word is actually apprentice. The apprentice. Don't think the TV show with a pre-presidential leader of it, okay? Like, not that apprentice. The apprentice. Uh, an apprentice is something that was ordinary. The Jews, if you're a Pharisee, a leader, you add, you add apprentices, disciples. And then the Greek philosophers in their day, the Jews were living under Greek and Roman thought, they had disciples. So Jesus doesn't make up the word. He just uses an ordinary word and he gives it new meaning. Now for us, when I say apprentice, that doesn't even mean anything. How many of you, to do what you're doing now, went through a formal apprenticeship process? How many of you went through an apprenticeship? Look, just a few of you. 100, 200 years ago, almost everyone, you didn't get into $350,000 of debt going to school. What you did was you learned under someone and you took on their trade. Uh, I think Andrew, he runs our tech and sound. He's a licensed electrician. And so he went to school and learned some of the fundamentals. But electricity is what they call dangerous. Okay, I don't know if you know that. And I think if you have an electrician come to your home and work on it, I think you would hope that they know what they're doing. 
So you don't just say like, you know, Google, you know, electrician and watch a few videos on YouTube and do it. You actually, he went through a four-year, 8,000-hour on-the-job apprenticeship where you're doing the work, but someone's double-checking the work for insurance purposes. They're, they're in charge, and you're doing it. And with every year, you're doing more, and then eventually you, you become a licensed electrician, and then you can bring apprentices in. Fundamental. Disciples are apprentices. So what you, if you're choosing to follow Jesus, if you're at the stadium, you said, I want to follow Jesus, or you're here this morning, you say, I want to follow Jesus, you are, by the nature of saying yes to that call, if Andrew wants to become an electrician, he becomes an apprentice. Whether he feels like it, thinks like it, that is the path. And so Jesus says to you, great, you want to become my follower, apprentice under me. Jesus gathered men and women, and he spent time with them. Now, after Jesus' resurrection, the, the group that followed him continued to be called disciples. Uh, just look, you can see on the screen, or look in your Bible, Acts 6, verse 7. So, the word of God spread. This is after Jesus' resurrection. And the number of, look at the word, disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So the group of apprentices began to grow in Jerusalem. Then you keep reading Acts, and the group of disciples went from place to place. So why don't we call ourselves disciples? It's interesting. We usually use the word Christian. Are you, are you a Muslim? Are you Jewish? Are you Hindu? Are you Christian. Do you know the word Christian only occurs three times in the Bible? Twice is in Acts, Acts 11 and Acts 26, and it's used kind of like a joke. There were people who looked like little Jesuses, and they called them Christians because they were mimicking or living out the Jesus guy. They were living like him. And then you see it in 1 Peter uh, 4, he calls them once Christians. Not wrong, but it's interesting the, the Gospels are flooded with the word disciple, and we use the word Christian. Is it, is it wrong? Absolutely not. But sometimes when you use a word, it can give a meaning, right? Like, are you a duck or are you a beaver or do you not care, right? Those have, those have meanings. So Jesus said, I invite you to something that has meaning, to be an apprentice. Do you see yourself as an apprentice humbly learning under the master who knows all things. All right, why, why disciple? Now, now you want to get really interesting. You look at the rest of the Bible, after Acts is Romans and these letters and then Revelation, the word disciple doesn't show up. Oh, now we're all messed up. So Jesus said disciples a few times in Acts, Christians. And then here's what happens. New words pop up that grow out of the word disciple. In the rest of the New Testament, they're called believers, those who embraced and believed. They're called brothers and sisters. They're called saints, holy ones. I'm going to suggest this, that the word disciple is what Jesus called people to. But in his resurrection, he invited people not just like, like Andrew, 
electrician serves under another electrician. That could be friendly or not. But in light of Jesus' resurrection, we're now called not just to follow like a skilled leader versus a novice, but we're called into family relationship. And if you're following Jesus, you are a saint. You're called holy. Why? Jesus is holy and you're in Jesus and Jesus is in you. And, and his DNA is now in your DNA and you've been changed. So we are now just not friends. We're brothers and sisters connected at the deepest level doing what? Apprenticing. Not as strangers, but as deeply loved people. That's, I think, why the New Testament writers can come up with language that was even more profound and rich than the word disciple. It doesn't mean we're no longer disciples. It means we're brought into this family where we follow. Make sense? I know this is so basic, but if you don't get the basics, you could end up off course and not knowing why. All right, so what's the goal? You're a disciple, I'm a disciple. In family relationship, what's the goal of discipleship? Now, when Jesus called disciples, what did it mean to them? The word had all sorts of flexibility because sometimes in the Gospels, it simply says those who are listening to Jesus, the disciples, well, some just listened to him for a few months and then didn't go the long way. Others, it's a deep, intimate relationship. So there's flexibility in the way you use the word. But there are at least three things. I want you to write them down. It's, it's, it's the bedrock of what we're building everything on in this series. Three things that are true of those who call themselves disciples and we who call ourselves Jesus's, uh, we call Jesus our, our God and our Savior and we're not his disciples. Three things. Disciples are with Jesus Disciples learn from his teaching and live his way. I want you to write those down because when you think about what it means, let me just ask you, are you with Jesus? That's about relationship. You're not invited into just following a creed, a list of things you ought to do and ought to avoid. Uh, following Jesus, becoming a disciple is not like a distant thing. He says, follow my system of ethics, no. Follow my rules, no. Follow me. Disciples are growing in relationship with the one who called them. So you're not my disciple. You're not a disciple of 26 West Church. You're not a Baptist or Presbyterian or Catholic or Evangelical, whatever you want, to, whatever labels. No, no. Those are secondary, helpful. But secondary labels, you and I are in relationship to Jesus himself, which is huge. Which is why following him is so exciting because it's not secondhand. He invites us to himself. The second thing, it's about learning his teaching. It's about growth. You follow. I, I just dare you this week. Go into an app or something, a Bible app, and type in a search word, Peter. And just track Peter from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and into Acts. And you think it's a whole new different person. Peter is just one of you look at his life when he first starts following Jesus and then a couple of decades. And then you go into the letters written, first and second Peter, towards the end of his life. And you realize this guy is dramatically different. Why? He learned Jesus' teaching. Jesus grew him 
and he wants to grow you. Third dimension, so it's about relationship, it's about growth. Third dimension is, and we live out his way. What does that mean? It's change. I want us to look at these three words again. Again, please write them down. Everything over the next six weeks following today is building on these three words. Relationship, growth, and change. And if you want to grow in what it means to know the living God, it's about relationship, it's about growth, and it's about change. I want us to say them together as if we believe they're important. Let's say them together. One, two, three. Relationship, growth, and change. Now say them with a little bit of gusto. Come on. Relationship, growth, and change. How many just love the word change? You want to get in trouble? Insert the word change into most audiences. Change. Now, others like myself, enjoy it. I like something new. But what Jesus is calling us into is not change for change's sake. It's change for our good. And so here's a couple of things that discipleship is not. If it's about relationship, it's about growth, it's about change. Discipleship is not a program. So you look into some churches, you look at their websites or whatever, it's like worship, and it's like discipleship, it's like evangelism, and it's kind of a slot, Right? And, and, and for us to grow as apprentices, you need to recognize you're not just taking in a new program like, yeah, if you just give me that discipleship thing, it, it's why I don't like infomercials. I don't know if you're into infomercials. I was watching one the other day, and it, it intrigued me because everyone's skin looks so beautiful. And I won't give the name of it, but this was one of the skin ones. And they had an entire program, and it was, it was beautiful. And it had, you know, music and, you know, star testimonies. And, and with it, it had three creams. And then one was like the morning one, the morning lift, like lift, right? And then you had your, your midday because, you know, like your face is drying up because the ozone and all that. And you had your, your afternoon, you know, refresher thing. And then, but to, to really work, you need the overnight, the overnight thing. That rubs off on your pillow, duh. But you need your overnight cream. And because that's going to really, and all the little lines are going to disappear. And within a few months, that was amazing. I, my skin has never felt so refreshed in my life. And, and... And if you buy that junk, fantastic. Uh, that's a moisturize, fine, fine. But you, when we watch it, you just know they're selling you a bill of goods. Like they, you just you, even if you buy it, you know, like I'm not going to get the same results because there's something about like programs. Like it's got to be more than that. Can I just say to you, discipleship to Jesus is not a new program. And the second thing, it's not. It's not a time slot. Some of us have made discipleship. A part of like, so you have, you have multiple dimensions of your life. So you have your sleeping life, you know, 11 p.m. to 5 or 6 a.m. That's all you need. And, and you just get your rest, right? And then, and then I have my morning routine, whatever your routine is. Some of you have big breakfast eaters. Others like, no, I just want a cup of coffee. And you have, you have that life. And then you go to school or work. School's coming, sorry. Uh, school or work. And you have like that that bit of life. And then a couple of times a week, I'm a part of a 26 West community. And so I've got my, my, my community life. And it's, you know, a couple of hours with a meal. Um, great. That, I did that. And then on the weekend, I need a spiritual hit. So I've got my uh, church, my discipleship time, right? And so I, I come and, you know, I come from 11 to 1230, 1235. Mm, I don't know. Lunch is going. I think I'm going to leave early. I'm going to beat the traffic, which there isn't any. And, and, I'm, I just, you know, I got, I have my life. And, and so discipleship for some of us, we've made it a time slot. And in times of crisis, we throw in little hits, like a text to Jesus, help. So we'll, you know, do Bible in the car because I, I have no time for it. I'm, I'm really busy, four-letter word. And, 
I, I, so I, uh, I, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to open the book. And, you know, because I'm too, four-letter word, busy. And, and so I inject, over time, I inject a few dimensions so that I could cover my discipleship. Now, I'm, I'm making fun of it, of course. But this is how the majority of us try to live out following Jesus. I need a new program, and I need a new hit, and I need to, I need to mix up something because of that four-letter word called busy. I want you to think about this. This is a short line that could change your world. Apprenticeship is all day, every day. Apprenticeship to Jesus is all day, every day. You are his follower. You've been brought into his family. You are now to be in relationship with him, learn from him, live his way in all of your exercise life, your eating life, your work life, your school life, your social life. If any parts of your life don't need Jesus, you miss the plot line. And so what we want to do is reorient our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. A, a Christian are those who are apprenticing to Jesus. And those who are apprenticing to Jesus need him in every dimension of, of life. So we've got to be honest. Some of us are frustrated. I can't tell if you're frustrated or why you're frustrated with, with the whole Jesus thing. But I'll give you a few reasons. Some just have never been told that it's your responsibility to live as his apprentice. So what we do is that you come to church. And people leave churches all the time. Look, if you're here for a bit, I'll give you a little tip. I'm in a good relationship with the pastors all over town. I know where you end up. And some of you are here. And I know where you were. So we changed churches because I wasn't being fed. Now, that may, maybe a church isn't teaching as strongly or as much, whatever. Can I just suggest this radical idea to you? It's not the church's responsibility for you to live as an apprentice to Jesus. Now, that may not be popular. It just happens to be the truth. And let me tell you, I wash my hands clean. If you're not growing in Jesus, it's your fault, not mine. Now, I say, well, Jose, why are you being so vicious? Because we need to break. Hear me. We need to break this mindset that it's someone else's responsibility. Let me give you a perfect example. You're living an unhealthy life, right? You don't, look, you don't like the way you look. You don't like the way you feel. But it's my mom's fault. It's my dad's fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my neighbor's fault. It's, my, it's the stranger's fault. Because you're not living the life that you want to live. No, it's your fault. And here's the good news. If I apprentice to Jesus, I'm in relationship with him, and I'm going to grow and I'm going to change. So some of us need to break these bad habits that we've been told. that If you just go to church and be a nice person, you're going to live a fulfilling life. It's why people are dropping out of the church because you know what they're realizing? That program is not doing anything. It's because they falsely believed, and maybe you falsely believed, that it was the program that was going to rescue you. Jesus saves. Jesus is who you need. And you have a direct line to Jesus. And I've got a direct line to Jesus. Now, now hear me say, oh, well, I'm going to go to church. Come next week, read chapter 2 on how we grow and why the church is important. But I want you to know that you have the Spirit of God and you can be connected to Jesus. And he can grow you and you can grow in him. And we can help. But as long as you use the cop out that nobody's teaching me, there is a small thing called the interweb. 
the internet. You can't grow. Do you know you can, you can watch strong teaching 24 hours a day, seven days a week, absolutely free? There are apps to help you read the Bible. There's everything out there. And guess what? Man, I just, I just, I feel, I feel disconnected. We feel disconnected because we have disconnected ourselves from the life of God in Jesus. So it's going to get a little rough in the end of the series. You're going to love me. But for now, you just need to know apprentices are every day, all day, learners, growers. So we need to shift our thinking and realize I'm responsible. Now, where, does, where do we begin? So that's the fundamental who disciple is and what the goal is. Where do we start? And that's where we're going we're gonna to read one more text in a moment. But it starts with a new beginning, which is why we share the good news all the time. We did good news today, last week, uh, and people are already asking, are we going to do it again? I'm going to give you a secret. I'm not going to tell you. But let me tell you. We're going to do it often and everywhere, and here's why. It don't, may not always be at Hillsborough Stadium. It may not be every year. Those things I don't even care about. We're going to do it often because everyone needs to hear the good news all the time. Because discipleship begins with new life. Say that with me. Discipleship begins with new life. Say it again. Discipleship begins with new life. It, the reason we share the good news often, and I encourage you, I hope the event gave you the courage to invite someone. Because that's one step in the process. You and I always can be about inviting people to new life. One reason people leave the church is because they realize, ah, I didn't grow, I didn't change. Forgetting that, that they're supposed to come to Jesus to change. I think another reason that sometimes people get disillusioned with church is because they're trying to live out the Jesus life without Jesus. In other words, I, I, kind of, I read the Bible a little bit and I go to church a little bit and I try a little bit and I watch a podcast or I listen to music. And, and, and nothing happened. It's because discipleship, apprenticeship, starts with a new life. He says to Matthew, come follow me. Matthew gets up and he lives a whole new life. And can I just say to you in love, if you try to follow Jesus without inviting Jesus to come and give you a new center, the problem with us is central. Uh, the Bible word is the heart. You can say the soul. You could say the real you. You could say the center. I think the center is helpful. And at the center, we're selfish. We've made God, we've made God peripheral. We've made ourselves central. That is sin. The essence of sin is to replace God. God says what's good, and you say, no, 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 no. I know what's good. We replace God with ourselves. And so what Jesus has to do is he needs to come in and give us a new Center. The Bible calls it new life. Uh, Jesus said you must be born again. Not go back into your mother's room. That's disgusting and impossible. Right? There's nothing to do with physical birth. You need a new center. What Jesus does is when we embrace the good news, when you say, Jesus, I have sinned and you have not, you're center, I'm not the center. I will follow you. What will happen is you will unlock the ability to live the life that God wanted you to live from the beginning. So that's where it begins. Let me just ask you, 
Have you actually, truly, really asked Jesus to be the center? If you haven't embraced his good news, turn from yourself and to God, receive his mercy and grace and forgiveness, there's going to church is good, it's not life-changing. Following Jesus, knowing him, is absolutely revolutionized, revolutionary. So if you haven't today, where do you start? Discipleship begins with a new, a new life. Receive him today. But it doesn't end there. And this is where we mix it up. And this is what I want us to hit for the last couple of minutes. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 9. So if discipleship starts with a new life, how do I, how do I build on that? And again, forgive me for being so super obvious today. But I'm telling you, this isn't super obvious to many. And so if this is a little light for you, hang in there. Some others, this is going to be life-changing. And it could be for you. 1 Timothy 4, 7-9, Paul, who never walked with Jesus like the other disciples. He didn't believe in Jesus until his resurrection. And he was actually trying to kill Christians. And Jesus appeared to him in an experiential way and said, why are you trying to, why are you trying to take me out? Who are you? I'm Jesus. Freaked him out, turned his life around. And he had a new life. Paul has a new life. Well, now for years he goes telling people about Jesus. And then he, he gets another younger leader. We're going to look at this whole letter of 1 Timothy. But he gives them the secret to how you grow and how we grow. 1 Timothy 4, 7. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. You want to underline that. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. There are lots of opinions on how to live your life. There's tons of opinions. You have your opinion, I have my opinion. We all fall into a, a, just a smattering of opinions and you call that your worldview. How you view yourself, God, reality. You have a worldview and it's made up of a bunch of people's opinions about what's right, wrong, good, helpful, harmful, you have that already. What Jesus wants to do is give you a new life and then reset your worldview so that you will begin to see more clearly from God's perspective who you are, how you live, and what this world is all about. And so he says to Timothy, train yourself. Don't listen to the old wives' tales. There are lots of opinions about what you should and shouldn't do. That's junk. And it comes from people that are popular, influential. But can I just call it, some of their ways of living are fruitless and stupid. We buy them because they're popular. And Jesus says to us, don't listen to those wives' tales. Instead, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Timothy, you want to grow? Train yourself to live a godly life. In other words, imitate the way of Jesus. Be with him, relationship. Learn from him, growth. Live like him, change. You can do that, and you should do that, because it bears fruit for the life to come. Physical exercise is of little value. It's helpful, but this machine, this thing, is going to break down and die. But what you do in Jesus, your godly life, what you do, learning to live like him, growing like him, realizing that your life is his, 
That has benefit now and for the life to come. What if I told you if you invested a dollar a day, it would give you returns 30 years from now? Just put away a dollar a day. Compounding interest 30 years from now, 40 years from now. That would be a good tip. And you, Okay, what if I told you you put away a dollar a day and you get the reward 10 million years from now? Think of that compounding interest. Godliness compounds. Because God uses your life to influence other lives. And at the end of your life and any eternity, you get the benefit. Well done, good, faithful servant. Enter into your master's reward. You and I will be with Jesus, living with him, serving him, doing stuff. Ten million years from now, what I do now, ten million years from now, influences what I get to do with Jesus. Is he picking favorites? No, he's rewarding faithfulness. So godliness matters. Your life matters. Now, it's interesting. He uses the word train yourself to be godly. The word is gymnazo, and it's a similar to our word gym, right? Because in their culture, in Roman cities, all of the cities had gymnasiums because people, Greek and Roman thought, overemphasized. That's why you see it in sculptures, the physical body, the perfect body. And so they idolized, just like our culture idolizes physical perfection. So there were gyms everywhere because people wanted to get buff, just like today. There are gyms where we pay fees to never show up. And so he says, he says, you could, you could translate it. This is Jose's translation. Gym your life, Timothy. Gym your life. Train your life. Be serious about it. Train yourself for three things. Train yourself to be with Jesus, learn from Jesus, and live like Jesus. Now this is a good word. Some of us, we need to hear. Physical training is valuable. God gave you one body. And if you want to be useful to God, stay alive. You're of no use to Jesus. Dead. And incapacitated because of bad choices. So what am I saying? Walk every day. Walk 30 minutes a day. Well, I don't have time to work. You have a phone? Take your phone, email while walking. Talk while walking. Everyone on our team knows if I'm going to meet with you, we're going to meet walking. Why? Physical exercise is helpful not only to the body but to the mind, to your soul. It's good. Don't be a couch potato. Work out in a way that's appropriate, the way that you can do. Physically help yourself because it's valuable. Oh, and by the way, What's infinitely val valuable is you training yourself to be with Jesus, which implies it's not natural always. I don't have time. Four-letter word. What's the four-letter word? Busy. I don't have time for God. And I hear it all the time. I don't have time for God. Do you have time to breathe? If without air you will not live, how in the world are you going to live a godly life without God? How are you going to live a Jesus life without Jesus? And so well, here's what I want to do. I want to make you so agitated. I feel like the role of leadership in the church is to annoy you. I feel like the role of leadership in the church is to stir you up. I, if you're not leaving slightly angry, then I haven't done my job. Here's why. We have mindsets and worldviews that need to be blown up in light of Jesus. Because Jesus is the best way to live. We need to take every other mindset and evaluate it. And if it doesn't conform to the image of Jesus, we need to reject it. Train yourself to live a godly life, which means you can. 
Now, how does God shape us to live more like him? I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you anything that you could do. But here's what I'm going to say is if you want, you could pick this up. And the next six weeks are things we can really do. He said, well, why don't you tell us now? Well, I'd say learning that godliness is important is the most important thing you can think about today. Now, how this book will hopefully, it's not everything, it's just some things to do. And read chapter 2, and every week you read the chapter, and then we'll come and talk about it. But for now, let's just get to us. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being most healthy, 1 being, I need, I need to see a doctor, I need some help. Physically, your physical health, where are you on 1 to 10? How, how are you doing there? Okay, well, if there's room for growth, here's what we can do. Gym yourself. Train yourself. Discipline yourself. We want the results without doing the work. It's called infomercials. We want all the results without any of the work. You could buy a belt to lose weight because it vibrates the pounds off. <laughs> what kind of insanity is this country? Rather than saying, eat less or eat better and walk. Buy a belt so you can vibrate it off. And here's the crazy thing. We apply this in Jesus following. Show up at church for an hour and a half. If it's an hour and 45 minutes, I'll be a little ticked off. And, and, and somehow I'm going to be deeply connected to Jesus. This is a tool to help fuel everyday life with Jesus. That's all this is. And so if you get mad at the church, don't get mad at me fully Maybe throw some of the anger at your own soul for being too lazy to spend time with Jesus. Lazy. And I don't say that in anger and mean-spiritedness. But if we don't call ourselves out, we're not going to be the people Jesus wants us to be. How does God shape us? Come back next week. How do you rate yourself on the spiritual dimension? Physically, you're one, five, ten. How about connectedness to Jesus? Here's what I'm going to say. It doesn't make, if you feel like you're a zero, today you could take one step closer. If you feel like you're a five, he's saying, well, six and seven is right there. If you're a nine or a ten, can you just be an influence on everyone around you and let them know Jesus is not looking for better people, but he's looking for people who are going to train their life to live like him. All right, so what I want us to do is respond. If you're discouraged and that made you like, I could never do this, then you missed the point. You can. Jesus is calling you and he's inviting all of, all of us keep walking. Peter was totally out of line. And Jesus, in three years, makes him a champion. And when the next 30 years, not only is he an influencer for 12 and 20 and 120, Thousands upon thousands, and even us today, are impacted by the life of Peter because Jesus made him someone. And he wants to do the same with you and with me. I'm going to invite you to stand on your feet, and uh, we're going to respond. And here's how I want us to respond, at least to start. If you're not following Jesus, uh, discipleship begins with new life. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to clear the deck. And if you're not yet following him, I'm going to invite you to do it right now. Like just right now. 
And this is one, one moment, one step that will lead to a lifetime of change. Relationship with Jesus, growth in Jesus, and change because of Jesus. That's what a disciple is. And so have you actually said, Jesus, I want to follow you? If not, right here, right now, there's no sense in us singing all of these songs to a Jesus we, we don't know. I mean, it's cool to sing them, but isn't it better if it comes out of the heart that's been changed? So close your eyes for a second because this is someone's moment to encounter the living God, and I just don't want you to be a distraction. Lord, we're looking to you now. We're here to worship you. Receive the bread and cup. Remember your death and resurrection. But Jesus, you know, you know every soul, everyone here. You know where they've been. You know when they woke up. You know what they're going through. You know their sin struggle. You know the things that are filled with life and joy. And Jesus, today we want to turn our attention to you. So right now, God, we come. We come to you. We need you. Those of us who have been following you forever, we need you. Those of us who are one step away, we need you. Look, if you're here this morning, you say, Jose, you got me. I, I really want to follow this Jesus. I don't have anything to offer but myself and my baggage. Then you're, you're in good company. That's where we're all at. So this morning, if you say, Jose, I want to follow this Jesus, I want you to let me know. It's important that you let someone know. Jesus doesn't call hidden disciples. They're all called publicly. They're called to follow him. And we're not here to make you feel weird or out of place or bad, but we're here to invite you in. And so if you're here this morning, you say, Jose, I have not followed Jesus, but today I want to. I want to take that first step. Then on the, on the count of three, I'm going to ask that we just do this together. I want to know who you are. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise up your hand. That's my only way of knowing who you are and what God's doing. And then we want to pray God's blessing over your life. We're going to all respond in worship. So on the count of three, I want you to lift it up together so no one feels bad and weird. But I want to know what God is doing in your life this morning. One, it's just the gift of God. You don't get it because you're good or perfect or loving or nice. It's a gift. It's a gift. Two, this gift is in Jesus Christ. No one died or rose again to save you. No one offers the words of life. No one's perfect other than Jesus. So if you don't have Jesus, you don't have life, the Bible says. But if you do have Jesus, you do have life. And that's you this morning. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. One, two, that's you, three. I want you to raise it up real quick. Anyone here this morning? Say, I want to follow this Jesus. Anyone here? We had some at 9 o'clock. Anyone here this morning says, I want to follow this Jesus, and I want to do it today. Anybody? Let me give you just a second. If you want to follow him, just lift up your hand and put it down. All right, no one in this gathering said it, and that's totally cool. I want you to open your eyes. We want to be more bold about inviting people to follow Jesus because that's, that's what changes everything. So don't be surprised around here over the culture of our church in the next few weeks, months, and years where you see more and more public response because I feel like we've gotten so hidden, so private, so scared that we're not willing to take steps. This morning, four or five people at 9 o'clock said yes to follow Jesus. This, this, uh, this, uh, this hour, no one did. And, and frankly, that's okay, right? I don't feel bad. My feelings aren't hurt. We want to grow in inviting people to experience life. So just don't be surprised over the next weeks and months when we get more public in following Him. Now, Lord, we're your kids and we've come to worship you. Because of everything that we heard from you is true, we worship you for who you are, the King of the universe. 
and the King of our lives. Lord, receive our praise and our worship to you. In your name.